Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind the top galas and nonprofit signature fundraising events to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I am so excited to have Kathy James on as a guest. Kathy is president of the James Group, which is a top event planning business in the United States. Over the years, she has planned galas, fundraisers, and all kinds of other fun types of nonprofit activations that have raised well over $100 million for various causes. And today, Kathy is talking about with us here to talk about an upcoming event that she's producing, which is called the Tex-Mex Fiesta, which is for the Farrah Fawcett Foundation, which was founded in honor of the actor, late actress Farrah Fawcett, who passed away in 2009 from cancer. So with that, you know, I thought that Kathy would be a wonderful guest to talk about, you know, things from the event planning perspective and why, you know, giving back and why nonprofits are important to her. So Kathy, welcome. And we're so excited to have you on as a guest today. Thank you so much, Rob. It's so nice to be here. Um, it's it's a great time for fundraising in the United States. There's a lot of money being raised, so I'm excited to talk a little bit more about it. Absolutely. And we're thrilled to have you here. And we can't think of really anyone better to talk about that. So, you know, before we talk about, you know, fundraising particularly, um, you know, Farrah Fawcett is a cultural icon. So there may be people who are not aware that there's a foundation in her name. So can you talk a little bit about what the mission of the Farrah Fawcett Foundation is? Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, Farrah Fawcett passed away from anal cancer. And I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with what she went through, but it was a very long battle and she was very public about it because she wanted to be able to help other people. She, along with her best friend, Alana Stewart, actually did a documentary. There's actually been a few documentaries, Farrah's story being one of them, about what she went through doing during it. And that was really just to help others be public about a disease that you know, people have gotten comfortable talking about breast cancer, but people hadn't really gotten comfortable talking about anal cancer or colorectal cancer. And and Farah being this sexy icon, you know, having anal cancer, it's something that she was public about, which got a lot of people to be able to talk about it and learn more about it. Um, so during this time, she wanting to help people, she decided she wanted to start a foundation. And the foundation is surrounds research, but also patient programs, psychosocial programs um, that can help um, those in need, whether caring for someone who has cancer um, or the patient getting just a psychological support themselves. You know, and it's, you explained that so well, and I know exactly the documentary you're talking about, because I saw, you know, I saw that when it came out and it came out a, a few years after she passed away. It wasn't immediate, but I do sure. remember seeing it. It was a very moving and brave oh. thing to kind of showcase that journey because it was a two to three years after she got diagnosed as she passed away so she you know she was you know around and I believe that there was one period where she was kind of doing okay and then you know it went downhill again so you know I think you know you being able to share and showcase that so anyone who is interested in finding that you know definitely you know do a google search and find that it really isn't oh it is a documentary that anyone who has, you know, been impacted by cancer, whether personally or by a family member, would really take to heart and really find empowering. And, you know, while in some ways very sad, also very uplifting in the tremendous spirit she had with it. And, you know, with that said, you know, talk a little bit about what drew you to be involved 
with the Farrah Fawcett Foundation. Absolutely. And and that's one thing I wanted to say to Alana Stewart, who is the president and CEO. Um, Alana Stewart was Farrah's best friend. And during Farrah's story and all the documentaries done about Farrah, you saw the relationship between it, it really it, it gives me the chills to talk about, but between best friends. And she was there with Farrah along the way when she was doing different types of treatments outside of the United States. And Farrah told Alana that what she wanted to do is help people. So Farrah asked Alana to be the president CEO of the foundation, the Farrah Fawcett Foundation. And that's who brought me on board. Um, I had the pleasure of working with Alana through my work with Stand Up to Cancer and the Entertainment Industry Foundation. And that's where we met originally. And I have been a fundraiser for quite some time. And so in talking to Alana and what they were doing um, and planning events, she said, because you know Stand Up to Cancer, who's their research partner, um, and because she knew me, that's how I got involved uh, with the foundation. That's interesting. So you, you've you've supported various cancer, you know, cancer causes over the years. Um, what what about cancer and cancer research makes you passionate about that cause? Well, you know, originally it wasn't about the cause specifically. I started with the Entertainment Industry Foundation in 1997, and they coordinated the philanthropic efforts of the entertainment industry. Um, and health and medical issues was a big, big thing there. But what what I was able to do is step in and and work on and produce the Revlon One Walk for Women um, in both Los Angeles and New York. So during that, and that was in 1997, and during that journey, I met so many amazing men, women, children, families that were raising money for the women that they loved in their lives, that that's what really got me passionate about, you know, health and medical issues, but cancer specifically, and fortunate enough to meet a woman named Lily Tartikoff, um, who started the Revlon Run Walk with the Entertainment Industry Foundation, who was passionate about, um, fundraising for cancer research, specifically a doctor at UCLA, Dr. Dennis Slayman. And it just kind of seeing the passion that these people had um, and seeing what it really did for people and seeing the families come together. I still, to this day, remember during this Revlon Run Walk where we had 25,000 people, you know, walking through Times Square or down Figueroa Boulevard in Los Angeles. I still remember specific signs year after year that people came with pictures of their daughters or their mothers or their sisters. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little shaky in my voice because it's very emotional. These people are warriors, you know, and um, it's it's uh, it's a special thing. And then from then, I just was fortunate enough to just meet some really incredible people that continued to bring me on. And um, I, I've just been lucky that that's kind of what I've done. That's, you know, that's incredible. And it, it just goes to show that you can be brought into something, even if you hadn't been, you know, even if it hadn't, you hadn't been seeking it, in some ways it sought you and you wound up, you know, being a really passionate advocate for the cause. And I just think that that is such a cool thing, especially for anyone who's looking to get involved with an organization. Yes, we talk often on this show about how, donations in particular, there definitely needs to be an emotional tie or an emotional connection in a lot of cases. But just because you don't necessarily have an emotional tie, we talk about financial capital and human capital, you can certainly give your human capital in terms of your time if you are impacted the way 
Kathy has been by, you know, cancer and cancer research, that is a perfectly great way to ingratiate yourself into a nonprofit community and really do great advocacy and great work. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. Now, and, ba and back to, you know, back to, you know, the, the foundation, you know, can you talk a little bit about how the foundation will go about? Because I know that they will give, you know, money to certain organizations. Can you talk about how the Farrah Fawcett Foundation goes about the selection process of why they would pick certain organizations such as Stand Up to Cancer? Well, I think it's um, who's doing the best work at that time in the area that, you know, they want to fund. So they are in, ter in terms, they do anal cancer, which is an HPV related cancer. So they partnered with Stand Up to Cancer who put together an HPV dream team. So that's what the Farrah Fawcett Foundation is focusing on at this time, you know, funding HPV cancer research, because that is how people get anal cancer or head and neck cancer as well. So that's what they're focusing on right now. Um, so that is why it's the research partner. Now, here in Dallas, they've chosen, like you mentioned, to do an event here in Dallas, which is called the Tex-Mex Fiesta, which they did in Los Angeles. Um, they feel it's very important. We feel it's important to leave money on the ground in the city that you're doing an event in. So they're funding Stand Up to Cancer as their national research partner, but then they've chosen to partner with um, Cattle Barons and the American Cancer Society's Hope Lodge here in Dallas. Um, and so we're able to fund research, but also give money to a, an amazing program like Hope Lodge here in Dallas um, so that people feel like their money is helping people in their own community, which we think is really important. So that does both the psychosocial and the research part of it. That's really great. And, you know, on top of that, I'll add, you know, and some people may not be aware of it, Farrah Fawcett was actually born um, in Corpus Christi. So she is a, she is from Texas. So in, yep. in some ways, like when I saw, you know, when I saw that the, you know, the event popped up in Dallas a couple of years ago, I was like, wow, I'm like this, this is really kind of her way of kind of coming home. You know, she grew up in Corpus Christi. She went to the University of Texas at Austin. So, you know, it, it, it's fun to kind of see also that, yes, the organizations, um, the organizations that um, are doing the work, you know, have a Dallas tie with Cattle Barons in particular, but it also, it, it's a wonderful sentimental tie that it's, you know, the state from where, you know, Farah is from. So I think that's really, really cool. And I might add, um, Alana Stewart is from Nacogdoches, Texas, and Jacqueline Smith, who's another co-chair, is also from Texas, and Linda Gray, who's another event chair, she is was from the show Dallas. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of Texas in our group. So it really did make sense. And absolutely. And I know guests get viewers can't um, see what's behind me, but um, I have I'm in front of a bookcase. And actually, one of the photos back there is a photo of my husband with Jacqueline Smith at a fundraiser in Houston that they were at together many long wow. before I met him, like probably in the 2000s sometimes. So it's it's funny how, you know, there are so many different concentric ties and people talk about how, yes, fundraisers are about communities, but there are also, you know, when you are doing something kind of on a regional or a national level, it is amazing when you start talking that there are many common threads and common denominators as to why something winds up where it is. And um, Kathy, you just explaining that it was just like, oh my gosh, it's almost like this inner network of Texas and you know, we're, we're going to do this event in Dallas. So I just think that's so cool. 
Yes, it, it really is cool. And um, just hearing it and hearing the response from the audience last year was really cool because it wasn't like we just picked up, I'll be candid, Los Angeles was very hard to do an event and that's where the Tex-Mex event originated. So when we were talking about wanting to raise money for our research partners, as well as a, 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 another organization, we decided that we needed to go somewhere that made sense. So it really did make sense with all the all the Texas pieces being put together. Um, and I will say about Jacqueline Smith, um, she has been such an incredible supporter of the Farrah Fawcett Foundation and she's always there and does whatever she can. And and so it was nice to have another, another Texan in the mix um, last year and she'll again be at the event this year in September. That's wonderful. And, you know, that's actually an excellent segue into the next question. So you've done a lot <laughs> of high profile events with a lot of yeah. high profile people and celebrities in, in particular. Yeah. You know, could you share a piece of advice that you would give to someone who's looking to engage a celebrity to be involved with their nonprofit or event, whether they're going to be a chair, whether they're going to perform, whether they're going to, you know, lend their name, what, whatever that may be? So I'll be honest, it's not easy. Uh, it's not an easy science. Uh, the, the stars have to align really, um, no pun intended, but it really has to be a cause that resonates with, with the talent. Um, and there are, um, so many causes out there and so many great causes out there, um, that it's, and there are not as many celebrities, you know, to do that. Uh, um, so you really have to either know someone who has a connection with that person and is passionate about the cause or just know that that person's passionate about the cause. There really isn't a science to it. It's really about um, just doing your research and trying to get into the right um, the right person, either their publicist or their manager, or if you know, I mean, it is funny how, how many times you do an event and someone says, oh, my sister's hairdresser. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes the, and sometimes the personal, um, that personal way works. Um, you just have to do what do whatever you can, because um, it's surprising sometimes how um, I'll tell you a funny, quick, funny story. Um, I do an event here in Dallas. Um, it's the Faith Fight, Faith Fight Finish Gala by Dak Prescott. Absolutely. And um, I have an amazing friend who's the executive director who asked me to help with it a couple of years ago. And he does just incredible work. He's an amazing human, Dak Prescott. Um, and this event that he does, we were looking for someone to um, perform at uh, at the at the reception, and it was it was really cool because my my dad and sister were flying in from Los Angeles, and they were on a flight that was delayed three hours, and they were uh, they met a gentleman named Coffee Anderson, who's incredible. He has a um, a cancer connection himself, and his uh, he has a television he had a television show on on. Um, recently with his family and they didn't know him. They just started talking to him and it turns out he was a country artist. And anyway, um, I ended up reaching out to him and he ended up performing. And that's because my dad and my sister befriended him on a, on a flight coming from, uh, from Los Angeles or, or Santa Ana to, to Dallas. So, I mean, sometimes things happen and, and um, he was incredible and such a wonderful human. So it was, it was really cool how that happened. It doesn't always happen like that. Let me tell you. And it's, <laughs> I, but, I was going to say probably not, cool story. but there, but there's something about that that I think is really important to touch upon. And that is, you know, this happened on a flight, you know, but <laughs> randomly got seated next to each other. You know, some people, when you sit, 
and you open your book and you don't talk to anybody, you can miss out on stuff. And, you know, we like, you know, I like to say often that 90% of life is showing up and showing up isn't just that you're physically there. Showing up also involves putting yourself out there and your family put themselves out there and this connection was made. And it just, it goes to show that, you know, if you're just open, the your world can become larger the more open you are. And to me, that's a perfect anecdote and story for that, that it led to other opportunities, you know, because they remember fondly on a plane. And, you know, the one thing, um, and we can, let's delve into this a little bit more. And the, the one thing I have learned about celebrities and engaging with them is you cannot treat them one dimensionally. And by that, I mean, so many people will go up and talk about what they are most famous for. And a celebrity has probably heard that version of a story 1500 times. And they may be very gracious and they may be engaging, but the ones they're going to remember are you saw, you know, you saw them in something before they were famous and you remember them in that role, or you know that they're passionate about a certain cause or whatever it is outside of what they're most known for. I have found that when that happens, they tend to be much more disarming and you can engage them in a much more organic way that makes them more likely to say yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it, yeah, I agree with you. And um, it's also, like I said, I think it's always the personal connection and the passion for helping, you know, there, I have so many, many stories about different talent um, that are just, you look at their character and they're one way and then who they are as a human. Um, and I don't think you'd mind me saying, but a gentleman like Ken, Ken Jong, um, mm-hmm. who was in the hangover, Mr. Chow, you know, he, on that show, he's wild and crazy. And, and he's one of the kindest, most passionate humans on the planet. And he tells his story about his wife having breast cancer, um, Tran, but he is, I don't think there's a finer person on the, on the, the planet. And if you just saw his character on TV or Absolutely. how funny he always is, but he, he is a gem. I mean, there are not people like, there are not many people like that. So, I mean, they're just, it's just, it's been really cool. I have been so lucky um, meeting the incredible people that I've met along my road. And I, you know, it's so funny because my dad kind of looks at me sometimes and goes, you should write a book. And I would never do that <laughs> because I mean, I mean, people would never hire me again. Exactly. But, um, but it's I mean, I'm so fortunate to have met such amazing people. And and it is interesting because when they are out there and they're an actor or an athlete, you know, you you hear, oh, they didn't you know, I hated him in that role or, oh, he didn't do well in that game or whatever. And you say, gosh. But if you only knew what amazing, incredible people they were, um, it would change, uh, you know, because I, I think there's a lot of a lot of celebrities doing just incredible work. Absolutely. They are. Now, you were touching upon something earlier, and this is kind of my next question. And okay. you've got, you know, like you said, you've got co-chairs. Two of them are, cel- you know, three of them are celebrities. You've got uh, Alana Stewart, mm-hmm. Linda Gray from, yep. you know, Dallas and Jacqueline uh-huh. Smith. What is the secret to handling multiple personalities within the same event? Okay. So my, I, I can be completely honest. Uh, It's everybody who's I've ever worked with in that capacity has always been pretty great. 
Um, um, and just to add, I mean, we've got George Hamilton, who's our host, you know, we have Katie Couric, who's being honored, um, and another good friend named Patrick Foley, who was actually a very good friend of Farah's, who's with the, with Neiman Marcus now, and he's being honored for all that he's done as well. We're acknowledging him for all that he's done, uh, for the foundation. Um, but I, I think when people are out there for a great cause, I, I mean, we, I've been fortunate to get I can't even tell you how many amazing superstars have donated their time and they've been so easy to work with. I mean, I'm sure I have a back in my memory banks. There's been some that haven't been (laughs) easy, but I mean, if you're talking people like Jacqueline and Alana and Linda and George and Katie, you know, they're, they're amazing to work with and easy to work with um, and just want to do it for the right reason. So I I'm blessed in that capacity. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, you know, people will often say, you know, like when you're in a room with somebody, and you see kind of all these big folks, you've got mm-hmm. to remember you're already in there. You're you're in the space, whether you were invited, especially if you were invited as a guest of somebody mm-hmm. and, you know, you're mm-hmm. there as their friend, you're there for a common cause. So, you know, when anyone's like, well, what do I say to them? You don't say I loved you in X, Y or Z. It's, you know, why are you so passionate about the Farrah Fawcett Foundation? That'll get them to open mm-hmm. up and you'll actually have a substantive, much more substantive conversation than you would otherwise. Just remember that you have something in common with them just by being in the room. That's really interesting. I never thought about, I never thought about it that way because I do people all the time say, oh, I want to say hi to so-and-so and I say, just do it. But what your, your advice is very good. I mean, you are there for a common uh, a common cause. And, and, um, when you let people open up about why they're there, and like you said, it becomes much more authentic and organic and, um, that's, that's good advice. Absolutely. So, um, so let's talk about, um, you know, you've, ta- you've raised millions for lots of top nonprofit events. Can you tell me something that all successful events have in common? Hmm. Um, so, I have been fortunate enough to be on many teams and we have raised a a lot of money. Um, I would say that for events specifically, I think the most important thing is to have a very tight program. Make sure you understand your messaging. Like what's your goal? What's your call to action? I think that having a successful event, you want to raise money before the event, but you want to raise money in the room too. And I always steered clear of that. But remember, if you're a guest of someone and sitting at a table, um, it's a 10-person table and say a couple bought it. Um, You have eight people at the table who have not, mostly have not given money. Maybe they've made a donation, but you want to make sure that you're very clear. You want a short program. You don't want people there for three and a half hours because they don't want to sit there for three and a half hours, but you want to make sure that your messaging is clear, what you're doing, what the impact you're making is, and what you want from that person sitting in the audience who maybe hasn't given a dime. You want to, you want to make them feel like this is an organization that they want to be part of and they want to contribute to. Absolutely. And, you know, and if it's for someone especially if you're someone who doesn't have a big checkbook and you are invited, it could be that you decide to volunteer for that organization. You could enjoy an an advisory board. If you're a younger professional, they may have a young professionals group. So the way to give is not necessarily just cutting a check. It's also, you know, just because you don't have a ton of money and you are invited. And quite frankly, you need kind of 
a healthy mix of all income levels, I think, to make an event really dynamic and interesting. Just remember that, you know, for those of you who don't have, you know, a big check that you can write, it allows you to be much more comfortable and much more secure in your own skin when you do that. Absolutely. You're 100% right. But one thing I also want to say is if someone can afford to give $10, like, I think people need to understand that it, it goes back to my my roots in in fundraising in the entertainment industry. We used to have a um, an employee giving campaign, and think I used to say, think about if you gave up a Starbucks coffee every day. If a lot of people go every day, absolutely, and or McDonald's coffee or whatever, and you know, think about one week. You know, if you did it for one week, what that would do that can change somebody's life um, in terms of a, a donation to a foundation. So if you can give ten dollars. I don't, I hope people don't feel as if they're not giving a large donation that it doesn't mean anything because it means a lot. It all adds up. And I think people need to understand. I think your your advice about, about volunteering is incredible. There's also ways to go back to your company and ask them to contribute or a lot of events have gift bags. And, and you know, I really went to this event. It was great. I think we should try to see if we can get involved through donating our product. You know, so just there's a lot of different ways. So that was that was great that you took me down that direction. Too. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you really expanded upon it. And that's really what this show is all about, making sure we're, you know, we take kernels and we expand them in the full on popcorn. And that was an excellent way of, you know, of doing that. So, you know, um, while we're kind of on the subject of, you know, events, you know, what is a piece of advice you would give to an organization looking to plan their first gala or planning their first signature fundraising event? So I think the most important thing for a foundation starting is to understand that in order to have an event, you have to have a list. You have to have a, a, a list or a group of people that you can go to to help expand your list. There are a lot of foundations that say, we want to do an event. And I'm going to say, okay, well, who are you going to go to? You know, so who are your constituents? Like, who has supported you in the past? Are there people we can go to to help build upon it? Because just because you send out 100 invitations doesn't mean 100 people are going to, to come or support you. So people have to understand that you have to have a robust list or group of people who will come together and help provide names so that you can go out and 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 actually get people to participate financially. Um, I think another thing to to remember is um, I will say post COVID. I'll be honest. I can't stand when people say that, but things are more expensive. I mean, the world is more expensive, and venues are more expensive. Products are more expensive. Um, some people don't have as much disposable income. So it's important to understand that doing an event is expensive. And sometimes, and you have someone like me who has a foundation background who, like I say, from father of the bride, I always go for the cheaper chicken, but it's, <laughs> it's, um, but it's, it's important to know that it does cost to do an event. And it's important that you gross enough money so that you walk away with a significant amount of money for the charity. And I think that that's really important um, is to make sure that you, you set your goals uh, realistic goals and know that, you know, you, you need to spend money to make money. Yes, but it needs to be reasonable and you need to be able to net a significant amount of money for the charity. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I want to expand upon something you actually said in the green room. And that was, you know, when we were talking a little bit about committees and, you know, especially for someone looking to do their first one, there is always a safety in numbers, especially if you've got people that, you know, are doers and or have a mm -hmm. certain level of popularity, influence, whatever that is, make sure that, you know, when when you're thinking, well, where and how do I begin with that list? That's a great way to kind of whittle it down is, is making sure to think about it in those contexts. Who are the doers? Not just to have names, yep. but who are the who are the people that will also be doers? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that the, the doers are, are key. Um, and here in Texas, I mean, there are more doers than than non-doers. Um, <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> are I mean, we've been so fortunate here um, in that we've had so many people um, that we've met um, in, in random ways, some of them that have come to the table with um, just incredible support. So we're we're grateful to that. Absolutely. It's not that way everywhere. I know. It, it, it's not. And we are very lucky to live in a state where giving is it's just a part of the culture in a lot of ways the social scene is the philanthropy scene so it's very different than a lot of other places in that regard is you know people want to be seen giving back i mean it's it's really it's a it's a thing that no one is a, no one in texas seems to be ashamed of and no. you know so let's talk about you know this year's event and what people can expect to see and experience at this year's Tex-Mex gala Absolutely. Well, um, Farrah was a Texas gal, as we've discussed, and so she was more casual. So we create, it's an outdoor event. It's Tex-Mex food. It's at the Rustic um, here in Dallas, and it's margaritas, mariachis, great food. Um, this year, um, George Hamilton's coming back to MC the event because he was such a hit last year. And um, we're honoring Kate Couric, as I believe I mentioned, who is one of the co-founders of Stand Up to Cancer, um, but has also been a cancer advocate, as you know, uh, way back when uh, she lost her husband, Jay Monahan, to colon cancer. Um, and she has been an advocate ever since. She herself is a cancer survivor and is an incredible human and um there is no one more deserving in the cancer space to get, to get an award than Katie Couric because she's a lovely human. Um, and then we will have some incredible entertainment. And I hate to tell you, we're not announcing it yet. So that'll be hopefully in the next week. So I'll come to you, Rob, and let you know when we announce it. <laughs> you know what? We can maybe do a um, a little um, post snippet and we can just you say it in the tag afterward, or maybe yeah. we can even share about it on social media. I think that would be, I think that'd be that'd really be fun. fun, but that's an excellent tease for people to kind yes. of learn and know about the event and actually go to the website because by the time this episode does air, that will all be out in the open. And, it will. It will. you know, and what I love about this event is, and I love having these types of events on is you can raise seven figures and it doesn't have to be black tie. And that is what I, you know, last year's event raised seven figures and it doesn't have to be black tie for it to be a highly successful event. And that's one of the things that, yes, we do have black tie events as, as subjects on this show. We also have ones that are not, and it is, they do, the work is just as good. It's just as fun. In, in some instances, it's probably more fun because it's a little bit more relaxed. Absolutely. I go with the more fun. I think that a casual event is, is 
people want that these days. And we, like I said, we keep the program tight. Um, we have some, like I said, great food, great fun. Um, talk a lot about Farah, but in a very succinct way. Um, and um, what she's done in this space. And it's 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 a it's a terrific night. Um, this year we're gonna have some some few different things than we had last year, but it's all outside and fun. You know, just to give you a taste, I mean, our our performer last year was Cheryl Crow, so we're aiming high. And um, <laughs> I know, um, you know, it's it is amazing the names that will perform at these types of events. You know, there are events. Come this coming season where there are names where I'm just blown away. I've gone to events recently where I've seen people that I've idolized for decades perform. And it's just, you know, it's for anyone who ever wants to go experience a small concert, go to a gala. I mean, because ticket prices, quite frankly, at this point, for a lot of concerts where there's 40,000 people are hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Do good with the money and, you know, buy a ticket to a gala and go ahead and listen to a performance that way. Cause it's much more intimate. And there is just something about experiencing a musical performance by a big name in a smaller space that is just majestic. And it really is an out of body experience. I've been very fortunate to, to do that enough over the years. It That is one of those few things in life that never gets old. It really is just a magical thing. So I'm sure whoever you bring on, it will be a magical experience for everyone involved. Absolutely. And and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I will also tell you that over my many years, I'm very old at this point. I, I the generosity that is not true, but but we'll 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 we'll, we'll let that go on, Kathy. You are you, that is absolutely not true. If anyone saw a photo of Kathy right now, they would say no, that's not true. So that's very nice. But that being said, um starting when I did I cannot even I, and I probably can't tell you the big name performers that have donated their time. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, people don't believe it when I said, oh, they, how much did you pay them? We, didn't. I mean, there's generosity out there that is unbelievable. Um, so I, I'm so grateful. And so, um, gosh, we're excited. We're excited about September 28th here. And we're excited to tell you who's going to perform. And um, we're excited to raise a lot of money. Because there's a lot of work to be done. There is. And, you know, I, th that's the perfect way, I think, to kind of end is there is a lot of work to be done. And, you know, and Kathy can speak to this from experience as a highly successful event producer. I know when she will start planning the 2024 Tex-Mex Gala, it will be the day after the 2023 one. <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually now, those people that said no to performing, I'm like, the next year. Next so. year, exactly. Well, <laughs> you know, all right, so before we go, Talk yes. a little bit about persistence, because I think that that's a, you know, that's definitely something that just because someone says no once doesn't mean you never contact them again. And I think some people get wrapped up in that sometimes. Oh, wow, Rob, can I talk about that? Um, so I do an event, um, which I've done for many, many years, um, called An Unforgettable Evening in Los Angeles. And I work with this most amazing group there. And um, one of our co-founders, I'm just going to call her out because she's the most amazing woman. Uh, her name is Jamie Tish. And, and we have a joke that we talk about persistence. We've had people say no to us for 10 years and we go back and back and back. Um, we have a lot of jokes about it. Um, 
one of those being Maroon 5, and we went back to them time and time. Well, they did the event this year. So, I mean, persistence is key. Um, there's a fine line between between being persistent and being over persistent. Um, but sometimes you just have to keep going back because they all care. It's exactly. just their schedules, you know, and the stars need to align. That's exactly it. And and that's the and the deal is if you're doing a gala, that's once a year. So going back to somebody once a year is not going back to somebody once a week or once a month. Once a year is a wide enough window. So th that's what we mean by persistence here and kind of with the time frame. Remember, if you're producing or putting on a gala, it's an annual event or sometimes even less frequent than that. So just keep that in mind and remember that. So so like you were saying, it is when I, do, I joke that I'm planning now, but you do start thinking when you are talking to people, like you said, you know, well, if you can't do it this year, can you do it next year? And if they say, yes, I'm available in October, you say, well, we normally do this in September, but let me check the date. So it, it really does. It does start um, over a year bef before. Absolutely. And th that's a great note to end on. Always be planning the event and it will sometimes take more of a year with some of these things. And sometimes these things are things you have to work on for a period of years and persistence. And, you know, Kathy, I just want to thank you because you were just such a wonderful wealth of knowledge. And just in so many ways of, you know, just production and persistence and passion, all three of those things. And, you know, it was just wonderful to have you on as a guest today. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for doing what you do, because I think that um, there's so many great people out there that want to get involved in one way or the other. And this just gives them another opportunity to learn more. And I appreciate what you do as well. And it was such a pleasure. Absolutely. And the Farrah Fawcett Foundation's Tex-Mex Fiesta will be held on September 28th, 2023 in Dallas, Texas. For more information, visit farrahfawcettfoundation.org. And that will do it for this episode of Fun and Fundraising. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care.